Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Sober Exposure, episode number, let's just say like 305 million. So I sound like I'm really big, but it's more like probably episode three. No, I'm kidding. It's it's it, we're, we're getting up there. We're getting up there. And I wanted to have this guest for a while. And due to my mental health issues, we had to cancel because I was psychotic last week. Um, we have the sober powered Jill, ladies and gentlemen, on the show. And I just want to say for those of you that aren't watching YouTube and are listening, um, she is of age. Like, do you have a problem ordering a pizza? <laughs> I get that a lot that I have a little voice. Um, there's actually one woman from Australia. Her name is Jess. I hope you're not listening, Jess, but she really hates my voice. She like left a review and like all of the she oh, hates sh- my voice. Fuck that bitch. Guess what? <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. No, let me tell you, I love your voice. It's Thank unique. You. It's different. Like, and it's funny because I guess now I'm going to drive people to uh, YouTube because you don't look anything like your voice. <laughs> you don't. It's, just, it's funny. Like when I heard that voice come out of you for the first time on Instagram, I was like, no, <laughs> that's a great voice. A great I voice. always wish that I had like a sexy, sultry voice but I just really don't. <laughs> well, anybody can this, this. Okay. We could do a voiceover. This, this could be, we don't want to talk about recovery. Let's just talk about voiceover because <laughs> you have the potential to have a set. Just, just, you got to just change your tone, talk a little authoritative and then put a little smile on it and just let, just, just, just say the name of your Instagram going down one octave, smiling and kind of dancing with your vocal cords. And let's see what happens. Talking slower too, I think. Nah, you don't have to talk slower. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I was just trying. Yeah, I was just I, I was just trying to sell myself as a voiceover coach, but nah, yeah, whatever. Um, so you have like the most kick-ass recovery uh feed on Instagram. You did one that I literally like, I don't like anything. I'm nasty, I'm always <laughs> depressed, I'm a bitch. And the one where you're like, an alcoholic taking out the trash and you're taking it and you could hear the, the bottles. And she's like looking with shame and she's like, you had to see it, but it was so freaking classic. That's what I, that's what I was like. This is my girl. So Jill, without further ado, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, thank you for the intro. That actually is one of my favorite reels that I've done. Um, mm-hmm. When I, when I heard that audio, I was like, I know the perfect thing from my past. <laughs> Yeah, to make a video about. Um, but I am two years sober as of last week. Muzzletov, congratulations! Yep, yes. so two years and one week sober, which is very cool. Um, I'm 31, mm-hmm. I am a biochemist during the day. Oh my and- god, she's like a smart chick during the day. You have like a real <laughs> smart person's job. I do. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I went to many years of school to get this job. Um, and it's pretty, it feels cool to tell people about it. 
I mean, my God, I would feel so cool if I could go around being like, yeah, I'm a biochemist. Like, by the way, yeah, like that right there, that right there is just the uh, three very, very powerful words that is just basically like being like, fuck you to everybody. I'm a biochemist. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, shut up. So let me ask you this question. Um, You're a biochemist and you're an alcoholic, right? Yes. You were getting through school. I mean, there's a lot of work that has to be done there. So how did you, how did you get through school with this cunning, baffling and powerful disease that we have? Yeah. So I went, so I went for my bachelor's and I didn't drink at all during college. Mm. Um, I was more focused about being thin and not eating. That was so more... you were in your food addiction. You were in your, yep. your uh, bulimia or anorexia or body dysmorphia. I, I get it. So you were still in something. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was focused on that thing. Um, and then I took a few years off and just worked and then decided to get my master's degree um, like three years later. And that's when I was drinking really heavily. So I was drinking every single day. Um and like blacking out a lot and all this stuff. And I went to school full time. I actually I'm a very high achiever. Um, I always have been. And I even when I have like crazy things going on in my life, like struggling with drinking and hating myself. I still do what I have to do. And mm. getting my master's was so important to me that mm. even though I drank every single day, I still did all the studying all of the coursework that I had to do. I worked full time and um, sorry, I went to school full time and worked part time. I even graduated early. I got very good grades. Like I just kicked butt. But the whole time I'm like suffering, <laughs> like the yeah. weekends is when I would really like suffer. And mm-hmm. I would. Even though I drank every single day, like during the school year, um, I wasn't messing up too much that it impacted my coursework. So that was good. So I I probably maybe at that point you weren't, you you know, the cucumber pickle thing that they always say concept, you know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, maybe you weren't a pickle yet, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's sort of like a, a concept that we talk about, about being an alcoholic that, you know, you're a cucumber. And then once you pickle into a pickle, you can never be a cucumber again. And, um, anybody that comes on my show for the most part, uh, we are all pickled. <laughs> I am pickled, uh, tons of all the juices as well. So uh, it sounds like you pickled maybe after you got your yeah. master's. So I think right after that, so I got my master's when I was 26. And I remember very distinctly when I was 26, that was the last time that I had the ability to choose not to drink. And I remember the the night that that happened. And then after that, I was never able to make the choice again, whether or not to drink. And yeah. So it was, it was actually, I've never thought of it that way before it, it actually mm-hmm. happened right after graduating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love how you said like it's when it's no longer a choice because a lot of people come, uh, let, let's, let's, let's talk about identifying as an alcoholic or an addict. Okay. Let's talk about that because 
for me, there was no question about it. I mean, the first time I drank, I talk about the scar that I have on my neck from, you know, whatever, the first time I, I drank and blacked out and blah, blah, blah. And it was just never pretty. I never drank like a lady net from the <laughs> first time. I don't never, ever. It was not progressive, but you know, there, there's no black or, and white area here. So I like how when you, when you lose the choice, when it's no longer, I'm going to drink or I'm not going to drink. I have to drink. And exactly. So, um, when, when you had that self-realization, is that when you decided that you were going to get sober and how did you get sober? So I started questioning um, and using the word alcoholic when I was 27. So the year after mm. I became a pickle and yes. I actually went to a therapist and I was like, how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? Is there a way to know? And I wish you would have been like, well, I mean, you are because you're here asking. So I don't even know your story or how much you drink, but you you are. Um, so I asked her, I was like, how do you how do you know if you're an alcoholic? I'm just curious if I am or not. How can I tell? Um, so I started <laughs> questioning around that time. And then I eventually decided I wasn't one because okay. she challenged me to not drink for a week. She's like, let's just see um, how that goes. Because <laughs> one week. are so freaking clueless. They're so clueless. I, 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 listen, I happen to have a great therapist that I love. I, I don't want to talk about what we do. We get rid of spirits in my house and shit. But like <laughs> the, those book read therapists, okay, to put it down for you. Get the fuck out of here. All right. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. So she was like, so just don't drink for a week and we will we'll see how that goes. And I was alarmed, obviously, because I wasn't skipping days. I was drinking every single day and mm. I had never skipped a weekend ever. Mm. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with my life? But being my high achiever self and I really didn't want to be an alcoholic. No one wants to. So so I was like, I'm not drinking. I If I don't drink for a week, th then I am not an alcoholic. So I didn't drink for the week. And then I went back to therapy the next week, reported that I didn't drink. And then we were like, OK, probably not an alcoholic. So I was like, great. I'm good. <laughs> let's keep let's keep going. I'm fine. Right, I'm not an alcoholic. That's great. <laughs> Got to go because the bar's waiting. There's a stool right there and it's happy hour. Like, yeah, come yeah, on. Thanks for the help. Mm. Um, I, I don't think I have to come back now. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I went back to business and then. Um, I would start threatening myself. So I was trying to moderate and I would threaten myself when I would fail. And I would say, if you can't figure out how to moderate, you're going to have to, you know, be an alcoholic and everyone's going to call you that. And I would threaten myself with that word. Hmm. And I thought like, you know, I could shame myself into moderating, um, not realizing I wasn't choosing to not moderate. Um because this was before we you understood that you are powerless, powerless. Yeah, I didn't understand anything. All I did was think about alcohol 24 seven. Think about how can I moderate? Think about why can't you moderate? You're such a loser. Why do you always do this? How can I make sure I moderate this time? That's all I did and and worked full time at the same time. Like, I don't even know how I did that. <laughs> When I thought about alcohol so much, you're, you're, you're entire, you're, you're like kind of just going through the motions at work and then your hamster wheels going. And, um, I, I relate to that a lot. I, I had, I had a relationship. I'm out of it now, but, 
um, like I would say probably 80% of the day was like, what do I do about him? He didn't call, he didn't text it. Same thing. You know, it's just when, when, when you're, you're obsessed and you're trying to control it so much, but it's something that cannot be controlled because my dad used to tell me this about alcoholism, Jennifer, and he was kind of a crude guy. God love him. Try and control diarrhea. (laughs) Wise words. I'm sorry. Wise words. I love you, dad. Yeah. That's how he described alcoholism. So he knows what's um, up. He knows. Well, he, I, it's also hereditary and I got that from him. You know, I got his big personality. I got my mom's big boobs and then I got his (laughs) alcoholism. So anyway, um, so what, what made you, what made you like, finally just say, this is it. I'm not bargaining with myself anymore. I lose because it sounds like you're pretty, you know, being the overachiever and a little stubborn and you, you know, you want to drink. What was it? Tell us like to the last, take us to your last drunk. Yeah. So I started, um, probably like a year and a half before I quit, I started to have a lot of mental health issues. So I developed anxiety and I would stay up all night um, like that 3 a.m. jolt and mm. after you drink. I would jolt awake and then I would start to feel very anxious. The room would zoom out and I couldn't calm down. I'd be like squirming around in my bed, like freaking out. And then I've always had depression and that eventually became suicidal thoughts because I used to just really hate on myself for not being able to control my drinking. And I started every morning for a long time, maybe for like a year where I would wake up and the shame would hit me. Like Mm -hmm. you did it again. What the hell? And I would be sitting about to do my makeup, looking myself in the mirror and I would just, and my husband would be in the shower or whatever. And I would just repeat the words, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And I would do it until I made myself cry. And that's how I started every single day of my life for like a year. Um, And that obviously isn't good for your mental health. So I became very suicidal. Um, When I would get drunk, I would think really scary things about myself. And I would think like, you know, your husband doesn't deserve this. You should set him free and setting him free. Didn't mean, you know, leaving him. It meant like and killing him. No, no, me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a good guy. I was the horrible one. Oh, yeah, you I'm the right. one that doesn't deserve mm-hmm. anything good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I used to think all of these scary things. And then eventually I realized like you could actually do something about that someday. Ding, ding, ding. Because my husband will go to conferences um, that he'll have to stay in a hotel or he'll go on motorcycle trips or something and I will be alone. And those were the days that I would really, really get drunk. And now every time I get drunk, I think about very scary things and suicidal stuff. I realized like if you're alone and your husband isn't here, you could do something about this. And that scared me so much that I quit. And then I went back to it (laughs) 
because I was how many cured. times? How many times? Yeah. Yeah. So how long when you when you stopped, did you go to an AA meeting or you just stopped on your own? And how long was um, the abstinence? Yeah. So I stopped on my own. I was very stubborn. I wasn't like everybody else. You yeah. know, I didn't need meetings. And I stopped for 90 days. I was like, if you do 90 days, a week wasn't long enough to be cured from the thing with the therapist. So a month probably won't be long enough. So I settled on 90 days. If you do these 90 days, you'll be cured. You can moderate. Life will be fantastic. So I did the 90 days. And surprisingly, I wasn't suicidal during them. Mm. Shocker. And I was like, wow. I think that the amount of alcohol I was drinking was making me suicidal. And I realized that. And then I'm like, well, good thing I'm never going to drink that much ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing. So I went back to drinking after 90 days, totally exploded my life all over again. Miserable. Anxiety came back very suicidal again. And, then- and you know, I, I'm sorry, Jill, but I just want to I want everybody to hear this because Jill's talking about going back out after using and you pick up where you left off. You it, do. It's it's if not worse, the destruction happens right away. <laughs> um, even if it's just internal destruction, I mean, you might not get arrested the first time uh, or whatever, but yeah, just what, what you said right there, you know, you go back and it's right where you left off. Yep. Yeah. And it might even be delayed a little bit. Like for me, I did moderate for the first time ever, which just reinforced the fact that I should continue to drink. I didn't have that, like, try it out. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. I was like all mm. in. And then I saw like I moderated, like I had to and stopped and didn't want any more. And I was like, yes, I'm good. <laughs> Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's moderate forever. This is the best thing. And then it very, very quickly went back to normal and then got worse, like yeah. you said. Um, and then I drank for four more months with all that misery again. And then I realized, like, you can't not be suicidal when you drink like those two things go together for me, drinking and suicide yeah, and um, or suicidal ideation. And I that finally allowed me to accept like there will never be long enough that you're going to be cured. And I mm-hmm. finally accepted that I can never, ever do it ever again, even if it's like a 30 year break. Eventually, even if it's not right away, eventually I'll go back to normal. Because moderating wasn't normal for me. This destructive drinking is my normal drinking. So when people ask me if they're an alcoholic, I gauge it like this. And this is my answer. Obviously, I am not a therapist. I um, have barely a high school education. I did graduate high school, but it's because I was such a good manipulator with my teachers. Um, You ask me and I'm going to have some therapy. I'm going to have people give me shit like this, but you come, you have a question. You ask me if you think, am I an alcoholic? Yeah, you're a fucking alcoholic because you know what? If you're not an alcoholic, you're not questioning if you're an alcoholic. Like if somebody said to me, Jen, you could never have a root beer ever again as long as you live ever. 
There's no more root beer in your life. You are done with the root beer. Like, I'd be like, you know what? That kind of sucks. Cause one, you know, maybe like once a year, I'd like to have like a, a root beer soda with some ice cream, but you know what, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Not an issue. Um, so if, if you are obsessing in your mind so much about whether you are or are not an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. I'm sorry. Sorry. I completely I'm just agree. You know, or I love people that are in rehab with you, you know, and you're in rehab and they're like, oh, I, I, I don't belong here. I'm here. But yeah, you just ended up in rehab by accident. Sure. You know, I think the chances of that, maybe there's like a one percent or, or, or in some of the teen that teen treatment centers where the parents are like what I found a joint. You're going to treatment some you know, <laughs> wacko psycho mom or something. But if you end up in an AA meeting in treatment and you're questioning whether or not you're an alcoholic, I just think you are. So anyway. Um, I don't think you are. You are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to catch a lot of shit for saying this too. Um, all right. So let's, let's move to you get, you get recovery. Okay. Because I want to talk about like, you do so much, like, first of all, you're funny and you, you do a lot of, I could tell research on stuff with mental health and, um, you get, you get sober and let's talk about how you did that and where you are now helping other people. Cause you do so much. You help me all the time. I actually oh, get mad. Actually, sometimes you. you don't because with my anxiety and mental health issues, when you have a better post than me, I get really pissed. <laughs> and I feel that way about other people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly uh, well, the same way. I'm like, why do they like her and not me? Why don't yeah. they like my stuff? Why don't right. they share my stuff as much <laughs> as they share her stuff? And I don't even give a shit if they like it or share it. I'm just mad I didn't come up with the idea and that you're funnier than me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. I never thought I was funny. And that makes me feel really happy. You're fucking good, man. You're good. <laughs> you are. Um, all right. So how, how'd you get better? What'd you do? AA? You, you, I, I mean, there's so many different ways these days and AA ketamine therapy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. A, I tried it. We'll talk about that one day. But what'd you do? So I did nothing in the beginning. Oh. I, I tried to do the same exact thing that I did before. Cause I had done 90 days. So, you know, clearly I could do it. No problem. But that was very different when I did the 90 days, I was doing it focused on drinking again afterwards. I wasn't mm -hmm. actually trying to not drink this time. I'm trying to not drink forever. Very different. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did nothing and I quit in November. So it was like, holiday party season and scientists drink a lot so there were scientists all these drink a lot really so mu oh my god so much so geeky much scientists i dated a geeky scientist scientist so once. much there's alcohol in the fridge at work at all times there's really? alcohol on people's desks very yeah everywhere our christmas party last year they sent a case of wine to our house to have a wine tasting over zoom. Mm. Like, it's just alcohol all the time. Everyone's obsessed with it at work. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so funny. I just have to. I, so I worked in radio and in entertainment my entire life, you know, and towards the end of my radio career, I'd walk in there. I, I felt like I was in a bank. Like there was nothing going on, you know, and she's here telling me about all the freaking <laughs> science geeks that are drinking. I worked at a freaking rock station, you know, and nothing, nothing. Oh, yeah. So. Happy hours in the kitchen at work. Like there's there. Sometimes you can't get a cold water, but there's always a cold beer in the fridge. <laughs> 
sometimes even white claws. <laughs> oh God. Oh, the white claws. Uh, you know what? I'm so glad I relapsed because I got to drink one. <laughs> No, I, oh yeah, like I really drank one, please. I didn't drink one. <laughs> Listen, I'm glad I can laugh about my relapse. So, okay, so did you go, did you end up going to AA? I did attend some meetings like a year later. Okay, so you're, this is fine. I want to talk about this. I am not an AA Nazi. Listen, I want to talk about other ways to get sober besides AA. It's not for everyone. This is going to piss people off again. But I'm, I'm going to be just adamant with saying, you know, AA saves lives. I owe my life to AA. I probably would have been dead if there weren't AA. I met the most beautiful people in AA. It's just that there's a lot of other techniques now that can be effective. A lot that can't, um, you know, I'm, I, from first, firsthand trying it and wanting it to work, marijuana maintenance doesn't work, you know. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so tell me what, what, what was your journey? How do you do it? Therapy? What? Instagram? Yeah, I go to therapy. Um, so mm. I was four months sober when quarantine happened and mm. we were all sent home from work. And I was like, this is a good opportunity to go to therapy. Cause I don't have to like, you know, try to sneak out of work or anything. I can just go from home and no one will know. Um, and before that, I had been going to all of these happy hours and, you know, trying yeah. to keep my life exactly the same. And I would go and I would leave and cry like every single time. And mm. so I started going to therapy and working on like all of the emotions that would come up. That was my biggest issue. Trauma. I thought, yeah, I thought you just kind of like quit. And that's the hard part is doing the actual quitting. And then when you quit, it's just like, you know life is great. Well, we all, the alcohol is just the symptom we're drinking yeah. for a reason. So that's why therapy, the right therapist, uh, not one that's going to tell you to go, you know, drink for a week. And if you can stop it, yeah, I, I, I hope you went to a different therapist, right? <laughs> yeah. My therapist right now is amazing. I still work with the same therapist. Um, and she's helped me like my biggest struggle was rage. When I quit, I was so angry. And I would get overcome with rage that would last for days. And I didn't know why I was angry <clears throat> and I didn't know how to get it to go away. And it was so overwhelming that like I could barely function and like think of other things. And she helped me figure out like, why am I so angry and, and how to like work through it so I don't have to live that way anymore. And learning to like deal with emotions, I think has helped me the most. And then I didn't have very much community. And then I sought that out later. And that's where like Instagram and meeting people like you. And then eventually I did go to some meetings and people are so nice at meetings. Like, mm. what is that? The first meeting yeah. I went to, I remember I like logged out of Zoom and I was just sitting there like, geez, that was the nicest group of people. I've ever met. <laughs> they were, yeah. they were so nice. Like I couldn't even believe it. And, and that's just been my experience at every meeting I go to. It's like, wow, everyone is so nice. I can't like, why are you guys so nice? Like, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, because they, they genuinely are there to help out the newcomer. And you're a lot, you're like, I got to tell you, I've been going to meetings since 1988. It's not always like that. I've, <laughs> yeah, but you, you got some good, you got a good group, but sense of community is really important. And when you mentioned how like the rage, cause I was dealing with that. I, I do deal with it. And uh, I learned that my anger, um, the underlying emotion um, is actually guilt and so I had to, I'm going down what is it? What's the guilt and all that. So can you give us like a hack? What is it that your therapist, how does she tell you? What is she, what do you do when you say you work on it? What do you do? Like, do you meditate? To, when you're done, I'll tell you what I did today with my therapist and everyone's going to think I'm a wackadoo, but I feel great. <laughs> I feel great, but I'll, I'll tell you guys because it's interesting. But what what is it? How do you, meditation, what? Yeah, that stuff doesn't work for me just yet. Mm. Um, I don't. I can't like shut down my mind enough to do that and benefit from it. And like gratitude, like all of that stuff, I really struggle. Um, I'm a very negative person. Yeah. Me, me, you and I are, yeah. I, we're so much alike. Like when I canceled the podcast, she was like, that's fine. <laughs> I, I always hope like me too. Like I always hope that my guests are going to call and cancel. Cause I don't feel like doing it anyway, you know? And I mean, that's just, that's, de that's depression. That's, that's all the shit that we alcoholics, all those beautiful um, things that come along with our wonderful uh, thing that we got. So, but I, I think, I think meditation would be cool. You're going to, you're going to hang out with me for a minute. We'll get you into it. I'm going to turn you on to a guy. Uh, here I go again with my David G here I go again. You know what? David G should be paying me because this is guy. He's a guy from New York. He's very relatable. He worked with, um, Deepak Chopra. He went to one of his, um, uh, like seminars or something. And they just developed a relationship, cultivated relationship. So this guy basically modernizes everything. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes when it's just like really ancient and I don't know, and oh, whoa, whatever, yeah. dude, this guy, this guy just, you got to follow him. Just follow, do me. Well, let's just start with this one thing. Okay. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to do anything. Just follow David G J I. I can do that life-changing. I'm telling you, cause I'm the same. We're the same. You're probably a little bit smarter than I am book smart, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, just everything you're saying with the rage and, you know, the busy mind, the hamster wheel, the obsessive thoughts and, and all that crap. Um, I, th I think it'd be awesome. So anyway, stigmatizing. I love you too, because we were talking about this. So you've got a biochemist that's an alcoholic dealing with depression and rage with the <laughs> sweetest voice ever. So can we just like destigmatize this shit already? Because it doesn't discriminate. You know, it happens to anybody. So did you find that that was a problem? It, I mean, obviously, everybody drinks. You said where you work in area. But when you came out, do you feel like you're judged or stigmatized for being an addict? I thought I would be. I assumed, obviously, um, but I haven't been. And I actually told someone at work today that mm -hmm. I'm sober. Um, I'm making a new friend at work, which is like weird. <laughs> I'm like not used to like nice friends. But um, and I told her that I'm sober and like I could tell she was surprised, but she was like really nice about it and supportive and wanted to hear more about it. And um, no one has ever said anything 
judgmental or bad to me. I've had to people, your face. Yeah, to my, they might talk a ton of shit behind. Like, did you hear about Jill <laughs> <laughs> texting you? To her? She's an alcoholic. <laughs> That was my fear that I wouldn't yeah. be Jill anymore. Yeah, I was afraid that I that when people thought of me in their heads, I would be Jill the alcoholic. Mm. Every yeah. single time, whenever anyone thought about me for all eternity, um, that was my fear that I wouldn't just be regular Jill. Yeah. And for for me. I believe that I'm going to die on my grave. It's going to say Jennifer Wilde, alcoholic <laughs> drug addicts. It is because like, I mean, yeah. but <laughs> as long as I'm known for being an alcoholic and a drug addict in recovery, then I'm fine. Then 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 it's a win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, I'd rather be an alcoholic than a drunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the longer that I stay sober, the less and less and less I care. Yeah. About like the label or like if people whisper, like, did you hear, you know, about Jill? Like, I just I care so much less. Like, I just really whatever, you know, yeah. it's true. It's freaking true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, I, I went through some some big stuff with that, too. Like, I mean, I had a a, a radio show in my in 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 South Florida and I got arrested for crack. And my mugshot was all no. over everywhere. It was the uh, I am so vain. I'm a I'm a vain bitch. Let me tell you that picture. No, you couldn't get any worse. man. They always are, though. They always they really are. I, I think they try make it ugly on purpose or something. They but, put a filter over it. Yeah, an ugly <laughs> filter. I mean, like, oh, my God, it was it was so bad. But um, so, I mean, I was definitely stigmatized like and. So. A lot of people know me as Jennifer, the, uh, the alcoholic, but I'd rather be known as the one in recovery that's helping people. So what are some other things that you do? I mean, I want to some right now where I'm at is I feel like, how can I help someone else? Because I can't even help myself. But like today with my therapist is like, you know what? I just keep standing up. I keep going. I keep brushing myself off and I'm not going to stop until, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've had a bad past three months, really bad, um, mentally, emotionally, and obviously with my sobriety, I lost my time, you know, but it's only time. And with my therapist today, we cleared energy and we did all kinds of weird, cool shit with magnets and sage and crystals. And I can get really woo woo on you, but there's, there's some entities in my house from my using days, people that died that are hanging out in my house. So I cleared it. <laughs> and let me tell you something. And I know Jill, this is woo. Cause you don't even meditate. You're like, what? But <laughs> Dude, let me tell you, I feel like so much better. I really do. So I don't know. My answer, my secret for me is meditation, energy healing, therapy. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to my AA game too, because when I'm the best version of myself, I'm going to meetings. I want to tell myself I don't need meetings and I want to be able to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you have it. It's different for everybody. I just know that when I have time, I'm, I'm involved in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm scared, though. Um, this is my thing. So I went. I had a friend take me to AA virtually. I was such a baby that I couldn't even go virtually with my camera off by myself. 
I had a friend take me and then I like went to some more by myself after. I've never been in person and I really want to go and I'm really scared. And I have never and I even had like I had a friend who does not have a problem right in the very beginning when I was stopping. She said, if you ever want to go to a meeting and you're scared, I will go with you. And I never took her up on that because I'm so scared to go in person. And I really, really want to go so bad. And I see so many people like on online talking about how great this like new meeting that they found is. And I'm so jealous. But I'm so and what am I scared of? Everybody there is just like me. They're all a bunch of friggin' drunks just like you. And you're right? going to feel I'm telling you, there's something about um, when you walk into an AA meeting, there's something about the energy. There's just something that you can't explain and not Zoom. Like, let me tell you, yeah. I, for the, the 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 Zoom AA meetings, I just never it's I, I did them, you know, because we didn't have a choice. But yeah. um, when you walk into an AA meeting. And it is uncomfortable. And I've had to go a million times and try going to an AA meeting when you have to go say, oh, I just relapsed. That's like, that's yeah. like hard. That's really hard. But Jill, just like take take your friend up on it. Find a meeting like um, not too big and overwhelming because then you won't meet anybody. If you go to the big, huge speaker meetings, uh, those are a lot of times fashion shows and clicky. And, you know, you don't want to get into that. I would find like a really cool like woman's meeting you know and just just take the step because it's going to kick up your game not like you need it but the reason why i'm so adamant about it jill is because the aa needs you because you have so much to give we need you you know Thank i need you. i need to go to an aa meeting and see a jill Really, I do. You know what I mean? So I wish you could if, take me. <laughs> I would take you in two seconds. I would. I forget. Where are you again? Boston. Boston. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh soon. So I'm not going to say anything over the podcast, but I would love, I would love to travel to Boston and take you to a meeting. You just go to the meeting. Just go to the meeting. Like, go, go, just go. Really? I know. What's like, what's going to happen if I go? Really? Like, right. what would happen? I can't I can't think of anything that would happen. <laughs> Someone might not say hi to you or. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, right. I can't you know. think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's so funny that I'm saying this because I'm like the worst AA -er. That's why I relapsed. I stopped going to meetings. I did. And, um, the, you know, there's other components and everything that are involved. But I do think that just if you're an alcoholic. If, if you're, if you're an, if you're Jewish, you go to temple. If you're Christian, you go to church. And if you're an alcoholic, you go to fucking AA, man. Seriously. <laughs> Come on. Really? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I talk shit because a lot of times I don't want to go. It's just like the gym, you know, and you were talking about that. Let's talk about the gym. First of all, Jill, I'm not going to stop. I'm, I'm not going to be quiet on this about you. I really want you to go to a meeting because. No, I need your help. Yeah. Despite what happens. It, you know, first of all, the 12 steps are such a great tool and you will get the best Instagram reels from 12 <laughs> step concepts. So right there. Incentive. Uh, there you go. Okay. It's going to kick up your game, your Instagram game. You're going to help other people, but yeah, the gym. So you, you had just gotten back to the gym because you said you were struggling with thinking too much about being an alcoholic. Yes. That's interesting. Explain so I that. started, 
I don't know if you experienced this too, but all I did all day, every day for two years was think about sobriety. And I had all of this energy for content that I could create and like all of these ideas and all of these things that I want to learn about. And I just wanted to do that and talking to people and like the gym just seemed not important, even though it was my favorite thing to do before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave it up entirely and I would beat myself up. You're lazy. Like, why can't you just get back on your routine? You know, it's good for you. Like, you're just such a bum. And then I realized very like within the past couple of weeks, like, oh, my God, it's because I was so obsessed about sobriety. I didn't want to go. It's, I'm yeah. not a lazy bum. I just like I made a decision there to be obsessed with sobriety 24 seven instead yeah. of doing like I didn't have it. some days like I would go weeks. I wouldn't even watch TV at all. I would just like obsessed about sobriety. about sobriety or about posts. Well, in obsessing about sobriety is posts, yes. making videos, talking to people like you, doing podcast episodes listening to other podcasts, reading books, going on to Facebook groups, making okay. YouTube videos. Like it was a whole like thing. I call yeah. it sober stuff. Sober stuff. That's good. Yeah. And you made the decision, but maybe uh, the, the gym. Every anything, everything in moderation. Do you know what I mean? This is how I, I look at things like. I know for me, I have to do everything in moderation because you're an addict like me. So you're going to go like crazy on sobriety stuff and then you're not going to work out and then you're you're not going to get your endorphins going. Right. It, yeah. It's, it's all about balance with us. It, you know, that's another thing. If you come to me and say, are you an, am, am I an alcoholic? Um, can you balance your life? Can you, do, <laughs> do you know how to like if you know how to balance, then um, you probably still are if you're asking that question. But we do have a problem with balance for sure. I know that I do. Um, and when I'm not in the gym, dude, I am a friggin' miserable bitch. Miserable. Yeah, I, I, I it's just part of it's my part of my thing, but I'm proud of you. Yay for going back. How do you feel? I feel good. And I went and I had a great time and I wanted to stay much longer. And I was like, well, no, you can mm-hmm. do these things tomorrow and now you'll be excited about going tomorrow. And I knew I would enjoy it because I like to go to the gym. I just like to do it. It's Mm -hmm. just hard to get there. And like, I don't know. I used to think I have so many other things that I want to do that the gym just like, it's not important right now. And then it was not important for like two years. And I lost, I lost all my gains. I was so strong. (laughs) You get it back. I will get yeah. it back, but I have to go. If I don't go, I'm not going to get it back. Yeah, you do have to go. I mean, uh, um, just like I said, mo- moderation. So you just went one time? Yeah, today was the first day. I told a lot of people I was going to go. I so told people at work. I was like, you make sure ask me about it tomorrow if I win. Yeah, and I told my brother, and my brother is so good about this. Like, he's He's been asking me for two years because I would say, like, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. And then I wouldn't. And he'd be like, oh, how's how is the gym? And I'd say, <laughs> I'd say, oh, I didn't go, but I'm, but I'm going to go tomorrow. And then he would ask me again and he would never like shame me or get annoyed. 
that I kept saying I was going and wouldn't, he would just keep mm-hmm. asking every time I said I was going to go. He'd, How was the gym? And he would, he just would keep holding me accountable. And now I appreciate it because he asked yeah. me and I was like, it was amazing. I send him a picture. Yeah. Like, look at me in the gym. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, man, that's it. Right on. Totally. And it is just, I mean, the gym meetings, it's the same thing. It's just getting there. Once you're there, yeah. you're there. You know, it's just you're showing up is half the battle. So let me ask you that if somebody's listening right now and they're like, I'm listening to Jill, she's awesome. I love Jill and I want to get sober and da, 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 da. Um, what would what would you tell them? Give give somebody that's listening to a podcast that just doesn't really know much or is on the fence. Just maybe like for two minutes, talk about what you would do and how they can find you, how people can find you if they want to reach out. Yeah. So if you want to reach out, um, just search for Sober Powered wherever it's my website. There's like a contact form thing or my Instagram, my podcast, whatever. Um, If you're listening to this and you're drinking and you are questioning, maybe you're an alcoholic, maybe you're not. Um, I would encourage you to look at the reality of what your drinking is and not um, now I'm forgetting the word that I wanted to use that not the potential. There you go. Think about the reality of your drinking, not the potential that it has to be someday. Like I would always focus like someday I'm going to moderate someday. I'm going to figure this out. Life will be amazing when I can moderate these first two hours of drinking are the best thing ever. If I could just figure out a way to extend that for the whole night, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't have a problem. Then I could just have the good part and stop. Mm -hmm. But think about what you're actually doing. What do you actually do on the nights that you drink? Do you have those couple hours and then you stop? Have you done that a lot? Or do you have those couple hours and then you continue spiral and blow up your life and make yourself miserable and hate yourself the next day. So I think for me, looking at the truth and not like my dreams of moderating and having this like, you know, social drinking kind of life helped me a lot because when you see the truth and like same thing, when I gave it up and went back, I really saw the truth because nothing had changed. So that is what I would encourage you to do. Look at the whole truth from um, whenever you start planning your drink. It could even be at lunchtime. It might start really early that you're planning your drink. Start there, follow the night. And then if you shame yourself and hate yourself the next day, that's included in the same drinking occasion. So look Mm -hmm. at the whole entire thing, not just the first hour. Yeah. That was great. I love that. That's and and the the drink and the, when you're just thinking and obsessing and it just doesn't go away. I, I've I've had those times. One time I blamed it on the moon because millions of the moon. And I'm like, dude, I want to use so bad, and it's because of the full moon. No, it wasn't because of the full moon. It was because you were freaking alcoholic, and I wasn't doing anything to protect myself against my disease. And my protection is honesty, gratitude community, God, exercise, you know, all that shit. So, um, all right, baby. I I think you're freaking awesome. And this is just the beginning. Don't forget David G. Okay. And 
Yes. Okay. She's got one of those minds. I have to write everything down. <laughs> and then I write everything down. And then my handwriting, this was the ADD episode, ADHD episode. This girl is so funny. We're so much alike because I have to write shit down. And then I write it down and my handwriting so bad. I can't read what I wrote down and then, or I'll lose the piece of paper. That's that what I, wrote I do. Down. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm so glad. I'm I lose so it. Glad. <laughs> um, all right, sweetheart. Well, thank you so much. This is Sober Exposure, Jill Sober Powered. And that was uh, some good powering stuff. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Okay, have a great holiday season. Thank you for having me. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast. 